So, I, uh, I started last week a teaching series uh, which we called The Main Thing. And the whole idea is in these few Sundays, we want to look at and remind ourselves of the things that really should be most important in our lives, but that in the craziness of living, we can lose sight of. So we, we, we talked about the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, because you can lose track of the main thing, getting tied up with a bunch of incidentals. So we started last Sunday and said the main thing is to know God. We started there. This week, we're going to look at the main thing is to cherish family. Next week, we're going to be looking at love your church. Then we're going to look at guard your integrity. And then we're going to look at pursue your purpose. Now, it did occur to me about Friday of this week, I think, that maybe this week's and next week's I've gone in the wrong order because I should talk about cherish your family on Mother's Day. Oh, well. So, uh, <laughs> that didn't quite work out. So, there we go. Hey, a few years ago, I got in trouble. Some of you remember this because I preached on Mother's Day from the book of Judges about a woman who hammered a tent peg through a guy's skull. And I was told that was inappropriate for Mother's Day. And I was banned from preaching on Mother's Day for several years. So this year, I'll come back on Mother's Day and talk about uh, love your church. But I, but I want to talk about family today, which, you know what, if you talk about family, I know there, you know, what I'm saying there goes in, goes in hundreds of different directions because family's different for every one of us, right? I mean, as much as we differ as individuals, we all differ as family too. And, and, and family is, is, well, who knows what it is, you know? I never, I've, I've never seen the TV show Modern Family, but I've heard so many people say, yeah, we're Modern Family. And I think, you know, Modern Families are very interested and complicated at times, aren't they? How many of you got, no, I can't ask you that question. Yeah, don't indicate at all, but, but have a lot of you got complicated families in some areas? Great. Who's got a normal family here? Anybody? I think you're lying. Yeah, all right. No, all right. He took his hand down. There's a, <laughs> right? Family is complicated. So I appreciate what I'm going to say today goes out in a thousand different directions. And I do want to say this. I believe God is 100% committed to family. And I'll tell you why I believe that. When God made mankind, he put Adam in the Garden of Eden, and initially God said everything was very good when he made Adam. And then God took one look at Adam and said, no, he's no good by himself. Okay? That's where you ladies should have said amen, but you missed your chance. All right? <laughs> so, they, so he looked at Adam and said, he's no good by himself. He needs a wife. And so God made Adam, right? And then they had children. And the whole scenario from the beginning of creation was family. And then if you go over into the New Testament that starts with the birth of Jesus, God's Son came into this world as part of a family. So family is part of God's purpose, and family is huge right through the whole of the Bible. And, and I want to encourage you this morning that the Bible says one of the main things we need to do is cherish your family. 
Cherish your family. I picked that word because I thought it sounded appropriate, and then I looked up the definition just to make sure, you know, we got it meaningful, and it's very appropriate. Cherish is defined as to protect and care for someone lovingly. To protect and care for someone lovingly. Cherish your family. And part of protecting and caring for your family is being aware of the things that actually can be negative in your family's life. Let me read you a couple of verses from Matthew 7, verse, verse 24. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus said this, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Now, a number of you will be familiar with, with that illustration that Jesus gave. Wise man builds house on the rock, it withstands everything. Foolish man builds on a sandy, uh, on, on a sandy foundation, and when the storm comes, the house falls down. And, and we generally look at that in the context of we need to really build our lives on what Jesus says. And that is absolutely true. But notice what he's talking about there as well. He's talking about building a house. And the truth is, our families need to be built on foundations that will withstand the storms of life. Two houses in this picture, same circumstances, violent storms, but different results. The rain came, the floods came, the winds blew. And what I want to just focus on this morning is there, there are, I believe there are three major external factors that can care, tear down a family. The rains, the streams, the wind. If we are to care for and protect our families well, we need to be wise to the forces that can break up a family. And there are three that I want to mention. The culture we live in, the crises we live through, and the changes we live with. Those three things can impact our families in a very negative way. And the first of those is the culture that we're living in. Jesus talks about the rain beating on the house. And the truth is, if rain beats down long enough, it's going to find a way in. And you know and I know that when water finds its way in, it goes everywhere. That's why in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, here's what the Bible says. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
Now, if you look at that passage from the Bible, I, I, I kind of confused a couple of people in the office this week because they were looking for the translation that I'm going to use next. And it's an obscure thing that was very popular in England in the early 1960s. But I guess none of you was in England in the early 1960s. Glenn, you were. So, I, I, you know, very few of you probably were. So, it, it was the J.B. Phillips translation, which was the hot translation for cool people in the early 60s in the UK. And here's what J.B. Phillips, how J.B. Phillips translates part of that verse. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold but let God remold your lives from within. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. As long as the influences of the world around us are kind of beating down upon us, there's the danger that they then filter into our lives, our behaviors, and our thinking. And so what is abnormal eventually becomes normal, and it becomes acceptable. And, and, and what culture says is okay, it's hit, it's thrown at us so often that we kind of almost come to think ourselves, it's okay. And the Bible says, don't let it happen. Don't let this world squeeze you into its own mold. However often people say that wrong is right, wrong still is wrong. Still is wrong. Right? So, so however long people, however often people say, well, this is okay, this is okay, this is okay, doesn't make it okay. And if you don't believe that, I just want to say this, and, and I want to say this with, with some caution, because I know some of you are in painful family situations, but in all honesty, look at the situation of family life in our country at this current time. And look where it's at. Now, now, now some of the advantages of, of being a little bit older is you see changes that happen over years. And I'm not a grumpy old man saying, well, we didn't do it that way in my day. But I'm telling you, the deterioration and the amount of sadness and the amount of heartbreak in families and in family life and the amount of dysfunction that there is, it just seems to have increased over and over and over again through the years. And one of the key things I believe is this, that we have lost sight of any kind of foundational values. We allow this world, the culture, to squeeze us into its mold. In 1984, a significant year, of course, but in 1984, George Gallup, who, the pollsters company, Gallup Polls, George, George Gallup did a, a, a huge survey which he published in a book called The Faltering Family. And what he did was he surveyed thousands of people and asked them to kind of fast forward in their minds to the year 2000. And one of the things he, he, he asked them about is what they thought were going to be the things that caused most difficulty for family life by the time the year 2000 arrived. The first was unfaithfulness. In 1984, half of the people who were surveyed, half of the men who were surveyed, 
admitted cheating on their wives. In the same book, he quotes the psychiatrist saying, in my practice, I've been particularly struck by how many women have been able to use an affair to raise their confidence. The faltering family was forecast in 1984. And 40 years later, it's a reality, and then some. But because a thing is acceptable in the culture at large, does not mean it's right. Here's what it says in Psalm 127, verse 1. It says this, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. And here's the thing. Unless we are living under God's protection, and unless we are living along the lines that God directs us and God guides us, listen, folks, He not only made us, He gave us the manual. And this manual becomes the foundation. This manual is the rock that if we build our families on and if we build our homes on, then the fact is we will be able to withstand the beating storms of the culture we live in because the fact is this. You can say what you like and you can go whatever way you like, but here's the way we are. To quote Joshua in the Old Testament, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Don't let this world squeeze you into its mold. There's another thing that George Gallup identified from the research that he did years ago. And he said that one of the things, some of you are going to get upset with me with this, but that's fine. It has happened before. So, so, so this is what he said. So I'm quoting what he said. He said, one of the things that is going to really cause devastation in family life is what he called selfish individualism. I hear a lot of this nowadays. But what about me? Don't I deserve? I've got to take care of myself. I've got to look after me. Lord, you, you put on the TV and watch some of the commercials, and they'll, you know, they'll put up a car commercial and tell you, you know, this is the car you deserve. When did deserve become part of it? It's what we can afford that matters. And it might not be a brand new Lexus, it might be a beat up Buick from 1992. The scary thing is, it's probably still running too. It's a, What you just, I've got to have time. I've got to need me. I need to do this for me. I need to do this. And it breaks up the family because instead of serving one another, people are serving themselves. In the, in the book of Genesis, when God made Eve, here's what, here's what he said. He said, therefore a man leaves his father and mother and embraces his wife and they become one flesh. So here's what he said. When you get married, you become one. Now, a lot of people have said, well, that's about sexual union, but it's about far more than that. What that's about basically is you're no longer two people, but you act as one and you move as one. In Ephesians 5, it kind of explains that a bit more. 
it, it, it says, here's a picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself, listen, loving himself, not by buying himself a new toy, loving himself in loving her. I should preach this next week, shouldn't I? Because that was one for the ladies. All right, but loving himself in loving her and how each wife is to honor her husband. So you know what? Family life isn't about me getting what I want. Family life is about me serving everyone else so that they get what they want. You say, well, am I meant to do everything for everybody else? So what, what about me? There's a great principle in the Bible. It says it is more blessed to give than to receive and you will be blessed when you are a blessing to others in your family. But if you make family life about you, then it's going to really hit at the foundation of the whole thing. And that's not only about husband and wives. That's for… I feel sorry for children growing up in families because it's a difficult transition to you being the center of attention as a baby and an infant and you being just, you know, absolutely adored uh, by the whole wide world and then you suddenly get to be a teenager and you've got to clean your room. And it's like, and it's like it becomes, a, you know, the transition becomes really difficult, you know. Everybody was looking after me and looking out for me for a while, and now what about me? And, and, and you know what? They're, it's not about you. Those of you that are growing up in family, those of you that may be in your teenage years, you know, the most joy you will get out of your family is, 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 is by putting their needs above your needs and seeing where you can be a blessing to them instead of you constantly seeing what you can get from them. Selfish individualism. And back to Gallup. He quotes a book called New Rules, and here's the quote. Among married people I interviewed for this book, those most devoted to self-fulfillment are having the most trouble in their families. Truly committed fulfillment seekers focus so sharply on their own needs that instead of achieving a more intimate giving relationship, they grow further apart from each other. Here's how the Bible puts it in 1 Corinthians 13. Love does not seek its own. Love doesn't look out for you. It looks out for the rest of the family. Exodus chapter 23 verse 2 says this, don't go along with the crowd in doing evil. Don't go along with the crowd in doing evil. Culture can infiltrate us. We need to build our lives and families on a solid foundation. I've only ever been to Vegas once in my life. I don't care to go back to tell you the truth, but I've only ever been to Vegas once in my life, and I was there for some training um, with, with good old WW. And uh, I was down there, and there were a group of us trainers. So after a day of training, um, this, this smaller group of us said, you know, we were going to go out for dinner that night, and we chose some place. I can't remember where. You know, in every group of people, you know, you get a, a group of people together, and there's always one who knows everything, right? Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, you all, you all responded to that, except the ones who know everything. All right? So, so there's always one who knows everything. And so, so this one said, okay, yeah, I know how to get there. I know where it is. And, and we got lost. 
So we're wandering around, and it's the end of a day. I've been in kind of a lecture situation the whole of the day, which I'm not used to, uh, and I'm not good at sitting in one place for hours on end anyway. And I'm, I'm kind of tired and, 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 yeah, cranky, and it's like, really? Yeah, I'll just go to McDonald's, leave me alone. Um, but no, no, I know. No, what we're going to do, and we, we, we went through a casino. Now, now, I've lived a sheltered life. I had never been in a casino. So I go into this casino, and I'll tell you this, in Vegas anyway, I'd never want to go back into a casino. You know why? It was a smoke-filled place, because you could smoke in the casinos there. So I walk into this place, and I can hardly breathe. And I'm looking around, and it's like, you know, oh, man. You could see it in the air. And then, of course, there was a couple of with us who had to play a few machines while we're walking through the casino, so you couldn't walk through the casino. So we're there for a while. I get back to the hotel at night, and I stink. And it's not from perspiration, from walking the streets. I stink of cigarettes. And I take my, I take my clothes off that night, and I stuff them in a bag, and I tie the bag tightly. And I take a shower because I think it's still there. Listen, you don't have to be a part of the world systems and the way other people live for them to actually have an impact on you and infiltrate you. But don't let this world squeeze you into its mold. The culture we're living in can impact us negatively. And then another thing that can really cause damage to family life are, is the crises that we lived, we lived through. Jesus talked about floods coming. Uh, I, I had first had experience of that when I, when I was young, when we lived not far from a river, a main river that ran through our city, and... Um, I think it was 61, uh, it, it burst its bank and there was a huge widespread flooding. And in our house, we had, we had something like three feet six of flood water right through the whole of the house. And uh, it took a day or so for the water to subside. And I, I've still got some photographs of, you know, out from the upstairs bedroom window of the boats going by in the street down below us. And uh, it took forever then to get rid of the stench and the dampness. But a month later, we had even more. And we had another flood, and we had four feet of water in the house. And it was horrific. But our house had been there for a long time. And eventually, we were able to kind of, or my parents did, they got everything back eventually to where it was, because the house was solid enough. The water couldn't wash it away. But we've all seen pictures of, particularly some of the countries that have monsoons and then mudslides and of, of their homes just being washed away. And that's what Jesus was saying. He said, you know, this guy who didn't have his house on a good foundation, when the floods came, it washed him away, wiped him away. And if we cherish our families then we have to be able to weather the crises that will inevitably arise. We have to be prepared 
for the real test that every family will go through, and you may be living through right now here this morning. Because the, the fact is, you know, there, there are times when life gets very difficult for families for a zillion different reasons. There are times when there is death or there is sickness or a job change or a job loss, when there are financial uh, tensions or a lot of different things that can cause crises. But, uh, but I want to tell you this, successful families take the attitude, we're in this together. We'll go through this together. We'll work on this together. And some of you that are in that situation right now, I want to remind you of some verses in Isaiah chapter 43. And here's what, here's what the Bible says. This is what God's promise is. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. Now, I want you to notice there that when God's talking to Israel, he says to them, when you go through the waters, when you go through the rivers, when the floods come, when the crises arise. He didn't say, if you find yourself in a crisis, he said, when you find yourself in a crisis, because crises are a part of life, aren't they? Right? And, and, and if, you, if you don't know that, then, you know, I'm really happy for you. I wish I'd known you earlier. I could have given you some of mine in the past, you know. But, but crises are, are a part of life. They happen. But what we need to be able to do is to make sure that as family, we can weather the crises together. And what this verse says we need to do when we're in a crisis is this. First of all, relax. Don't you hate that when you're absolutely uptight and distraught and at the end of yourself and some smart person says, just relax. And you want to smack them, really, don't you? I mean, that's what you really want to do. It's, it's, but, but, the, but the fact is this, whatever crisis you might may be in, seriously, this Sunday morning, I just want to remind you of this. What God, what God says here in Isaiah 43 is this. He, he says, I have called you by name. Remember, God knows you. God knows you. Personally, individually. He gave you life. He gave you breath. God cares about you. And here's what God says. The next thing is not only to relax, but, but recognize what God's presence. God says, when you go through the floods, I am going to be with you. Now, you might feel as if God's with you. You say, well, I can't see God with me. That doesn't change fact. The fact is God is with you. God is with you. And God has got you. Whether you're aware of it or not, God is with you. And here's what he says. When you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. Of course, our first prayer is always that God will still the storm, isn't it? God, stop this happening. Some of you discovered that there's more occasions when God gives you the grace to go through it than there are where He stops it. Some of you found that? 
But he does give us the grace to go through it. When you pass through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. That idea of passing through, you know, it's almost like I can picture it's a step-by-step, step, slowly going through, raging waters, step at a time, day at a time. But here's what I want to encourage you today. But keep going. But keep going. Or in the words of Sir Winston Churchill, when you're going through hell, keep going. Keep going. Because God knows you. God is with you. And God will bring you through. You know what? I know that for two reasons. One is it says it right here and God's faithful. And the second reason I know it is because I've lived it and so have you. So have you. The God who's brought us through crises before is the God who will bring us through again because God never changes and God is faithful. The crises that we live through can cause tension within families but we have to take some of the pressure out of those crises by realizing God is with us. And then, of course, one of the things that can influence family is that the changes that you live with. Jesus talked about the winds blowing, and the idea there was winds coming from every different direction. Family is always changing because life's always changing, right? So you go through stages of life. I was young, once a young preacher with a young wife. And here I am today, an old preacher with a young wife. Right? That was good. That was good. Guys, I'm just trying to help you. Right? So, so but, but here, here I am. And, and, and you know what? There's, there's years of different stages of life in between where we were and where we are now. All different. Newly married, setting up home. Tiny church in northeast of England, living broke. That's, that's kind of how we started. And, and, and then, 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 then we're parents, you know. And then, and then the thing goes on, and then you become empty nesters, and they go off to school, and then they come back again. <laughs> right? And, you know, you go, through all the, you go through all the different phases of life. It changes constantly. So a cartoon once of a woman who, who's, you know, she, she, she looked pretty bad, to be honest. She was old with rollers in her hair or whatever they are, and she's leaning over a stove cooking something, and there's a picture of uh, kind of her husband's beside her, and he's, he's got a photograph, and, and he says to her, what happened to the beautiful young girl I married in this, pro in this picture? And she said, she lived with you for 40 years. <laughs> Darn, I should have kept this one for Mother's Day, shouldn't I? <laughs> but, but during the life of a family, you know, we're, we're going to we're change because we're all changing, or should be, through the whole duration of our lives. We're growing. We're, you know, we're, we're changing emotionally, intellectually, spiritually. There are changes in every single way. That's why every family needs a constant 
And I'll tell you what that constant is. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. We need to be built on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Listen, there are all kinds of things that can influence our family in a negative way. The storms that would try to cause destruction. So here's what I, what I want to come around to as I draw to a close. Your family needs you to have a close relationship with Jesus. Your family needs you. Say, why me? Because it's you I'm talking to. You need to. And, and whether you are here today and you're the 80-odd-year-old matriarch of the family or whether you're sitting in here and you're an eight-year-old who decided not to go into the ark today, I want to tell you your family needs you to have a significant relationship with Jesus. And I'll tell you why. In the book of Galatians, the Apostle Paul is talking about how a little bit of false teaching can impact the whole picture in a major way. He says it's like when you put yeast into something and it really expands. And I want to tell you this, a little bit of godly influence can have an even greater impact on the life and the well-being of family. Just like the rains, the storms can strain a house to its breaking point, our culture, our crises, the changes, constrain your family from the outside. And some of those might be bothering you this Sunday morning. You may have got conned by the world systems and taken on standards that really aren't helping your family. You may be going through deep waters right now. You may have gone through some changes in family life that you're struggling to readjust to. But when it comes down to it, one of the main things in life is cherish your family. Protect and care for them lovingly. Now, I don't know how I'll leave this earth when the time comes. God hasn't given me that insight. I know what my prayer is. My prayer is that it will be painless <laughs> and uh, relatively brief. <laughs> but I'll tell you this. When the time comes when we leave this earth, we will not be saying, just pull up my latest bank statement on my phone for me. Right? We won't be saying, give me a picture of my car to look at one last time. We won't say, can you just check how many likes I got on that Facebook post last night? What we'll want is to have the people who mean most to us around us. Amen. Family. I know family life is painful and difficult for many of you, but I want to tell you this. Whatever you've got that's good in family life, value it, cherish it. Whoever you've got that's still right there with you, caring for you, loving you, value that tremendously. 
and don't let any other influence cause it destruction. What's the foundation for family? The foundation for family is the foundation for life. 1 Corinthians 3.11. No one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen. Cherish your family. And do it by making sure you're building on the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand and pray together.